Greetings. My name is Griffin Schaefer. And my name is Scott Peterson. And my name is Heather Pittman. And this is episode 37 of Inside Quizzing. A podcast about Bible quizzing for folks who love the Bible. And in this episode 37, as you probably heard from our intro, we are extremely pleased to welcome to our show as a special guest, uh, Heather Pittman from a Canadian uh, Midwest District. And it's so awesome to have you uh, with us. Hi, Heather. Hi. All right. And in today's uh, topic or set of topics for the show, we are going to be talking about essentially we're going to kind of do like a round robin between the three of us. We're going to be talking about crazy rules, uh, sort of a continuation from I think it was episode 30. And I think we talked a little bit in one of the earlier episodes before that um, various different crazy rules that, you know, maybe some of them should be, per, you know, implemented, but probably none of them will. But uh, kind of interesting thought experiments. But we're also going to kind of talk about traditions, things that we do as in quizzing, either at the district level or at Great West or internationals or something like that, that are sort of like, I call these the Revtevia sort of things where it's sort of like, you know, we do them because they're traditions. They don't necessarily, they, they're not necessarily wrong or bad, but we just do them because we've always done them. It'd be kind of, it'd be kind of interesting to sort of point some of these out and then wonder what it would be like to break with tradition a little bit. And then the third area, we're going to be talking about things that we do specific to our own districts, because of course, Heather's from a different district. So this will be a great opportunity to kind of compare what we do and what they do and, and so forth and kind of see what, what, what sort of things we can learn from each other. And if there is time, we will dive into a couple of additional questions that came in from listeners that are in our uh, pool. And of course, if you are a listener and you have a question for us, uh, please email us at iq at cbqz.org. We would very much like to hear you or hear from you and hear your question and so forth. So with that said, uh, Scott, why don't you kick us off with your first crazy rule? So I have four, and I don't know if we'll have time to get to all of them, and they are varying levels of crazy, but we'll start with one, and that's, this is more coming from a Quizmaster perspective, but I would be totally fine with this as a quizzer as well. I would love to get rid of the more and again prompts on all question types. I think that they provide a very small amount of information to the quizzer, and that is um, overtaken by inconsistent use by the quiz masters, rendering that small amount of information pretty unhelpful to the quizzer. And I think it would simplify a lot of things on the quiz master end. So I would love it if more and again are not prompts that, the, that either the quiz master should give or can give. Interesting. Now, do you, are, are you saying in all contexts, so like even quote questions and stuff? Yep. It doesn't matter. End of a finish the verse. I don't want to hear an again. Um, a quizzer fully right on a quote question except for the reference. I don't want to hear more. Um, I'm kind of indifferent about that specific scenario. I'm fine for more there. But in general, I don't want any more again. I don't want... Because, I mean, for key verses, the again has to happen at the end of the verse. Sometimes the quizzer quotes a whole verse, and, and then you say again. And then sometimes they say the last three words over and over and over again, and you're just parroting back again, again, again. And then on more, the rulebook has gone through different iterations of finish the answer, but missing information in the question... Um, it's just weird, like parsing that a quiz master has to do to decide if they can say more or again. And when you're a quizzer, you're either correct, incorrect, or not yet correct. And in all three scenarios, you should just keep giving information. And I, I don't know how a very specific more or again would really be a whole lot of benefit. <laughs> um, I think there are definitely times with a younger or inexperienced quizzer where they've said something and they're not yet correct, and then they just are silent. 
and a quiz master saying something like more helps them continue answering. But I think that's more of a coaching or a teaching point that you shouldn't expect. The quiz master is not going to say more again. You should just keep answering stuff until they either say correct, incorrect, or your 30 seconds runs out. Very interesting. So, Heather, what do you think about that? Um, I I agree with Scott on this one. I find them more and again really like unnecessary in a way and weird like if somebody is answering a question and they're in context so they're like three verses away and I'm gonna say more like it it just doesn't feel like the right thing like I want to have a different prompt that's like close you're almost there but then I'm just like why 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 do I have to say anything at all like they're obviously not right they're obviously not wrong so do something different um so I, I'm definitely on board with that. And I think it is it is a coaching thing because as a quizzer, I was just, I, you just know, right, You that you're, if the quiz master is looking at you with a blank stare and they're not saying anything, you're not wrong and you're not right. So add more information and see where it goes. Yeah, very interesting. Well, I think I, I tend to agree with both of you for both of the reasons that you, for all the reasons that you've already stated, I think there's also some bit of inconsistency between rooms, between quiz masters, uh, whenever we have prompts. And I mean, we can eliminate a lot of that, but there's always going to be just a little bit of inconsistency. So removing the prompts entirely gets us closer to consistency between rooms. So that would be sort of another reason why uh, I would be in favor of, of this. So this doesn't actually sound like that crazy of a rule, uh, come to think of it. So, uh, Heather, why don't you give us yours and hopefully it'll be your, your example will be a little bit more crazy. Yeah. Well, I think that mine is crazy. Um, especially because of, so I sit on the, um, CNMA quizzing leadership team as well. And I think from a logistical perspective, this would be impossible, but what I would like to see. So part of, part of where this stems from is that you, through the international competition, you do 12 prelims approximately. You quiz against everybody, and, and then the teams are sorted from there. And I, and I think that process is good, and it makes the tournament long and fun, and it's great. And then you get into championship or elimination rounds, and two quizzes, two bad quizzes, and you're out. And I think that it ends up being that, like, I mean, we, we talked about this at Great West as well, that it one, one day makes or breaks the whole, the whole tournament. So what I would like to see is that every quiz is played twice and then it's based on points. So it's like, it's like prelims, um, except like in terms of the way that the scoring works, but it's just among those three teams. So you still come out with a winner first and second and third, and that person, that team still moves on to the next, like first of C moves on to this, um, this other quiz, but that it's it's always like it's two quizzes back to back same teams to see like just to give more of an opportunity so that it's not one lousy quiz that you could theoretically get a negative 10 in one and then just blow them out of the water with a 250 and still be the winner of that quiz interesting i kind of like that idea give it i mean given the if if we could fit it in with the time constraints that could actually be yeah it would never work yeah it would never work but it's it's i wonder if it could be partially done maybe Maybe not at the beginning of the bracket, but maybe towards the end of the bracket or something. I don't know. Scott, what do you think? So I love this idea. I've I've long lamented how quickly your fates change once you're in semifinals. Um, but within PNW, we always kind of liked that because um, oftentimes we did better in semifinals than in um, prelims, meaning we seemed to be better at winning or placing than scoring high, if that makes any sense. But I think the structure of the internationals uh, meet follows the structure of a lot of 
major sports where the goal of the playoffs is not necessarily to dis- to um, crown the best team, um, the absolutely best team every single year, but it's to create excitement. Because like in baseball, you have a 162-game regular season, and then it's like, oh, I mean, we do seed you, but that's all kind of out the window once you hit, to hit the playoffs. And so I always balance those two things because I don't want a team that was awesome in 12 prelims to then just um, quiz poorly or have some tough luck and then be done. I think that quizzes A, B, and C are the most important quizzes, and so I think that um, like doing each of those twice I think could make a lot of sense. Because whether you take first, second, or third there kind of decides your fate unless you're a really gritty team. Whereas once you're once you're into D or E or G, like you have you have chances. Um, and yeah, I think making A, B, and C two quizzes would be mm. a, a, a cool change. Yeah. So interesting. So you're saying A, B, and C duel rather than, say, later on uh, in the latter part of the brackets then? Absolutely. Because the way I always thought of it is if you won A, B, and C, you were like, you had it made. Because you had three. Absolutely. You could, you could loot. You can just bomb. Is it two, right? No, you can bomb mm-hmm. D and G, and then you still have I. And you have, like, yeah. time to regroup and mentally, like, and then even even if you take second in A, B, and C, you like go to E, um, and then then you go to H, and then I. I don't know. It just seems like a lot of chances. Whereas if you go, if you lose your first quiz, you're an F, and you're like, oh, I have to win everything the way. And it's like a big mental shift of like we literally can't take second place. And so I think the I think the first three are the biggest, absolutely the biggest. Interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. And I also think to your point about being a team that was maybe a little bit more clutch. Um, that you could like kill it in the championship round, but struggled a little in the prelims. I think by doing what you suggested, which is sort of a hybrid of of my thought, um, is that you're still it's still a really clutch moment, and it it like finals is really intense to try to figure out, and to have it early on means that every team has the opportunity, right? Because if you're doing a nine team draw, then all three te- or all nine teams are quizzing in A, B, and C. Absolutely. I actually have an offshoot on this, Griffin, that might actually be kind of crazy. Okay, go for and it. Well, is, yeah, because so far this is we, – we're, we're sort of like 0 for 2 now with like like ideas that don't <laughs> sound that crazy. But so, you know, cra- crazy it up a little bit. It depends what you mean by crazy because I think they're very sensible, but they may um, not have unanimous approval. Um, I mean, a crazier idea is like varying point varying points for – question difficulty and stuff like that. But um, my what I would love to see happen is no XYZ. I think they're kind of pointless, and I think the incentives are really, really misaligned in them. And the incentives kind of... They're such that they screw over the teams that are 7th, 8th, and ninth, And I don't like that. Yeah, but see, I, I agree with you, and I don't even think that's terribly crazy. I don't know, Heather, what do you think about the, the XYZs? Uh, oh, thank you for calling it that. I personally prefer to call them the XYZs just because it flows better. But okay. Fair I, enough. I, I do appreciate the acknowledgement of my Canadian heritage. Um, I, I actually disagree. I think that the XYZs are important because because they can they can essentially screw over seven, eight, and nine. So there's really big incentive to try to be in that top six. And then if you're if you're sitting down there and like what what's the lowest team that can be an XYZ? Fifteen. Okay, so if you're in 15th and you're a scrappy 15, like you can you can really like do a lot of damage and 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 mess mess with some of those teams. Like I think they're kind of fun quizzes to be in because it's like 
well, we're just looking for a point haul. This is not the opportunity for you to like rest on your laurels and be like, okay, 120 is good. Like I, I, I like the coaching that comes in XYZs. And I, I think if seven, eight and nine are really seven, eight and nine, and they, they're probably pretty strong after 12 prelims, they should be able to hack it in XYZ. You got to be clutch. Hmm, interesting. All I right. Just, I don't, I don't see a scenario. I don't see another time in quizzing where there's no downside to airing. Um, mm. and, and I just don't like that. Like if you're 10th and below, you're not in semis. The worst you can do is not be in semis. And so all those teams do is just blow it up on a syllable and a half. And if they get key stuff, they get to move on. And if they don't, they're exactly where they were when they started. It doesn't, there's like no downside. I don't know. I just, I like, I think mm. I like that quizzing has a balance in everything, like with three teams and an air, you have to sit out a question. Everything just works together to really modulate jump speed and like bonuses and all that. But when you get to XYZs and the, you know, there's, there's no downside to having every single member on your team air out. And sure. Except the down, like I think in terms of as a coach, I'm not letting my team do that. That's, that's like terrible sportsmanship. And there is a, there is a, a, a something in the rule book, a function in the rule book for the quiz master or answer judge or even scorekeeper to be like, this is poor sportsmanship. You're attempting to burn this question. We're going to call you an error and you have to sit out and, and we're still going to re-ask the question. Sure. But if I'm team 13 or 12, I can jump at a pace where no one could accuse me of that and still get 20, 25% of the questions right and make it real difficult on whatever team nine, uh, seven, eight, nines in my quiz to score anything. And so sure. like, I mean, as a coach, you're not going to have your kids jump on half a syllable and just tell them all. It's totally fine if you air out, but if you're 15 points back and so you've got to put up a, a 200 or a 180, yeah, you're going to jump um, a good 33% faster than you would have in prelims and just hope <laughs> for the best. And you don't care about the downside. What if XYZs were turned around to be a miniature bracket? What if it wasn't about the points at all? Mm. Um, that you could, could be have a real upset then. You could. Um, and I do like XYZs in that it rewards team. Like, that's a big reward for a team that gets in the top six. They get a real big mental break. And so that's totally a great part of it. Um, I don't know if, like, I'm kind of a fan of something like um, 8, 9, 10 in Quiz X or something like that, where at least everyone knows where they stand at any given point. Um, sure. And... There's there's a million variants that you could come up with it, but I just I don't like that there's no downside. Whereas I mean, you could say for a team in prelims that knows they're not going to make it to semis ever, they don't have a downside in any of their prelims. But no team wants to put up one point after one point, and so they're still they're still trying to be generally smart. And um, but in XYZs, I've definitely seen teams just go one and a half syllable on everything, not watch for Ws, and um, most like you know a vast majority of the time they score really poorly. But um, those few times that they score 140, 160 and move on, um, I don't think it's what we want to be rewarding. Interesting. Well, definitely, like, listeners, email us, you know, based on where you are um, on this question. It'd be kind of interesting what you guys think about uh, the Scott's position and, and Heather's position. So as I mentioned, we're kind of, I don't know, from my perspective, I think we're kind of over two for crazy. So I'm going to throw in something here that is never going to be implemented. And, and I think it actually goes into the realm of crazy. So brace yourselves. Here it is. <laughs> so normally we have, uh, 20 questions or, well, you know, and there's extras and A's and B's and bonuses and so forth. 
and different uh, different quiz programs. And we're kind of get we're going to get this to this when we talk about district specific sort of stuff. But different uh, er, uh, different programs will use different time frames for scheduling wise. They'll say like, well, we've got a thirty minute uh, window for a particular quiz, however long it takes. Uh, in P and W, we have twenty minutes uh, for our window for each quiz. Uh, generally tends to work out appropriately for us at the district level. Uh, but I was actually talking this weekend, uh, just a couple of days ago, I was talking with a, a, a fellow pastor about quizzing. And of course, you know, trying really hard to get him to, you know, put a team together for his church and join quizzing and so forth, because it's awesome. And everybody who's awesome is a quizzer. There's complete correlation there. And one of the things he was asking me about was he said, because I was trying to describe it and there was a little bit of a confusion on his part. And it actually kind of was a brilliant, crazy idea. And that was, okay, do away with the 20 questions thing. And instead you have a set amount of time, let's call it 20 minutes. And you ask questions until you run out of time. So what do you guys think about that? That's wild. That, that would is, be ridiculous. I'm coming up with negative consequences in my head, some small, some large. I, is the upside like just certainty of time? Um, no, I don't know that there is an upside other than just the drama. <laughs> so, I mean, it's sort of like... You know, if you're if you're watching a, a sports game that's based on a clock and the clock just counts down or something and somebody calls a timeout or something. And uh, yeah, I just I, it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, the the way that we structure quizzing right now, which I think is better, honestly, uh, is much more like baseball and less like football. Uh, and so it, there's something to be said about the football way where it's a little bit more chaotic and a little bit more maybe exciting in, in the sense that just the time runs down. And then, of course, you know, you get to the end of your 20 minutes. And if you've got like a couple of teams that are tied, you have, you know, one question, sudden death over time, whoever gets the question or, you know, if they if they err on the question, then the other team immediately wins because you mm. have a, a, a point difference and you're over time at that point. So it, I don't know. It sort of adds a bit of drama to it. I think it's totally crazy, though, right? Yeah. I mean, as a quiz master, you would really have to be on the ball because it would be your fault if if a team was delayed and they weren't able to catch up because you were too slow. And we would have, I think, quiz masters who were better at staying on time, which I would not complain about at all. And I <laughs> think... Um, I think it would be kind of interesting to be like, oh my goodness, how many questions can you get in? And it would change your strategy because a, as a quizzer in district where, you're, where you quiz out fairly often, perhaps, um, you would want to be cautious about an early quiz out because you don't know how long, you're, how, long the, the, how many questions the quiz is actually going to go. So you need to be careful and make sure you can come in clutch at the end. I mean, it is completely crazy, but it's kind of a fun idea. I think it would definitely be fun in, in, in more of an informal manner. Mm-hmm. It's almost something I want to, like, I don't think we would have time to be able to put it together, but it would be kind of interesting to try it as an experiment, like at Scramble or something. Uh, you know, something where it doesn't really matter, but we're just trying it out. It, I don't know. It, it, it definitely seems very strange. But of course, you know, and, and then very similar to officials in football, the quiz master or maybe the answer judge, I don't know exactly who at the table would be responsible for it, but they'd be, ha they'd, they'd be keeping a clock of the quiz. So like if the officials had to discuss a ruling or something, then that would not count for the overall consumption of time for the quiz or something like that. I mean, sure. There's certain things, there, there's so many aspects of this that would just spider in a thousand directions that it make it, makes it really crazy. 
Um, but right. I do like the idea of like, um, you know, maybe teams cutting their timeouts short because they're like, we have to start jumping. We need more questions. There's only time for maybe two or three more and the ambiguity around it too, right? You, you, you mm-hmm. never really know, uh, how many more questions you can fit in until it's over. And so that, that part's kind of interesting. It's kind of like, yeah. yeah, 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 in a way, in a way. Yeah. You lose, um, you're gonna, you lose the only upside that we've come up with, I guess. Well, one of the only upsides that, the of the certainty of time, um, in, in the fact that you don't have to count the officials consulting each other because now you don't have certainty of time because one room takes longer than the others. That is true. That is very true. All right, Scott, your turn. Uh, what's, uh, what's your next crazy? Well, now they're all, we're gonna go back to not so crazy stuff. Um, I have long wanted negative points for any bonus errors at internationals. In the days of team jumping, I wanted it to be negative 20. Now, in the world of assigned seat bonus, I think a lot of the... It's balanced out better, but I would still love to see negative 10 for any bonus error, specifically at internationals. And you could adopt it at other um, quote-unquote all-star type meets as well. But it just it bums me out so much when a team misses a bonus. I would love to see even more emphasis put on it. Mm. I I actually do think that's a crazy idea. I fully agree with the jumping bonuses. There is no reason why you can't get that. I, if there was a tournament that CMD used to attend in, um, what are they called, Northeastern, but they were, they're North Central. I don't remember that district in their Minneapolis area. We mm-hmm. used to attend their meet, and they didn't even call them bonus questions. And they've been they had been doing jumping bonuses for forever, like way before we adopted them into internationals. And they just called them free questions. Like they 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 were there were no bones about it. Like you were going to get that question right. So I totally agree with you. If it's a jumping bonus at internationals, absolutely there should be a deduction for that because it's ridiculous. Because you can just choose not to jump. But I think that if you're going to do if you're going to do the negative um, points for an assigned seat bonus, then the quizzer has to be allowed to plead the fifth and get zero sure. points. You're right. I guess I, I never thought about a team, of course, can't um, can choose not to jump on a jumping bonus, but we don't really have that concept for an assigned seat bonus. <laughs> I would be totally fine with that, too. In my head, everyone always jumped on them, so I didn't think of mm-hmm. this possibility. But I would totally be fine with letting them not jump and just take a zero. But I love any little bit that both emphasizes full material knowledge by every team member and also a stronger team dynamic. So kind of in the mm-hmm. same vein, I'd love to see ascending points on bonuses. So it's 10 points for a third, but 20 points for a fourth and 30 yeah. points for a fifth person bonus. Um, again, that's probably an internationals only type thing because that's just about the only meet where every team has five members. But I think that would be a great enhancement because oftentimes those fourth and fifth quizzers, it's rare for them to average even a half question a quiz. And so if you up the the, um, the good points that a team gets for that, I think you you foster a lot more strategy around um, what what are the best chances for our third, fourth, and fifth quizzers to get questions and maybe have your top quizzers sit on them. And I don't know. There's just a lot of things I think would be pretty fun. Now, take this yeah. down to the district level, though, right? I think so at, in P&W at the district level, we do not have assigned seat bonuses. It's a, it, a, it's a team jumping opportunity. What if you implement i i really like the idea at the at the district level with non-assigned seat bonuses providing say you know uh 10 for the first 20 for the second you know it, it chair wise right uh down I the line because it, what's that 
so not bonus questions. This is the bonus points that you get on a regular question. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I can even see it for as a crazy rule. In what about increasing the value of a bonus question? based on who jumps on it, right? The idea of like, because I mean, at at the district level, honestly, sometimes the bonus questions, uh, I I don't know. I like the fact that we don't do assigned seat uh, stuff at at district level, but kind of the nice thing about the assigned seat bonus is that uh, the the quizzer who's totally timid, it's their rookie year, they don't know what they're doing, they don't think they have low confidence in their ability to answer, they get a bonus question and they're like, oh, I actually know the answer, I can actually answer this and win some points. There's there's this beautiful grin that that comes across their face and it's a it's a wonderful encouraging sort of uh, opportunity. Um, I almost want to like invigorate that via the point system or something right Mm. i mean i agree with you there and so at cmd we also we haven't readopted the assigned seat bonus primarily because well for the reasons that you said but also because it we always there was always strategy about who's going to sit on what seat and we all have a lot of three team three person teams so it just gets messy um but i would say that as so i'm a teacher in my real life and i see a lot of students who like when as they're going through the day they're just trying not to make a fool of themselves so if they are forced to answer a question that they know they're not going to know it's just like i i just really want to give them the opportunity to be allowed to just not show everybody that they don't know what they're doing which is why i like the jumping bonuses yeah i agree with that um the so i have i have two thoughts the first is that quizzing is real life um, but the, uh, so, so there's that. Um, but the second one is, uh, what about a hybrid model? Like what they used to do and maybe they still do in world quizzing, uh, where the first 10 questions are free questions. No, no, no. It's the other way around. The first 10 questions are assigned seat. The, the, and then after question starting on 11 and then through the end of the quiz, it's, um, it's a free question. What do you guys think about that? Mm. Um, I think that could be interesting as well. I was just, what was I just thinking of? I mean, I think at the district level, there's a lot of stuff I would love to do to enhance kind of team quizzing, but um, individual goals and team goals are just completely at odds at the district level and already. And so I hesitate to try to enhance one versus the other because I'm already trying to balance the two. Because currently it's, you want to have the weakest possible team that you can, but still make it into the top nine where all of your points are not weighted down. Um, whereas if you have a super strong team, it's hard for both of those quizzers to do well individually. Um, and those, which is why you see two and three person teams at the district. And so doing anything with assigned seat bonuses or even extra points for the third, fourth and fifth person on the team to get a bonus question would really put those teams behind the eight ball. And I'm not, I don't necessarily want to incentivize churches to put together four and five person teams necessarily. I've always kind of wanted to do split district meets where half of it is, um, a team competition and the other half is individuals only because there's a million things that I would love to do with individuals to make it harder for the top 25% of them. But I can't mm-hmm. because there's the team component. Yeah, makes sense. All right, well, Heather, what's uh, the next uh, crazy thing from your list? Okay, so I would like to jump back to, so when I was asked to be on your show, I listened to your episode with Crazy um, crazy rules before 
And I heard you folks talk about ditching the zeros, which I am 100% on board with. They look nice, but I, they, are, they serve no function. Um, but this is, what, this is what just killed me about it. And I, had to, I was like, I need to ask Scott this. Did you know that we don't use pennies in Canada? Did you know that we got rid of them? Um, I have no idea. I had no idea. So, like, I think it was in 2016, they were like, you know what? It costs more to make these things than they're actually worth. We're just ditching them. So we don't have pennies anymore. So you're like, let's get rid of the penny, and that's when we'll get rid of zeros. So I'm like, well, hey, a good portion <laughs> of of the quizzing body has already ditched the pennies. So um, I am, like, fully on board with with getting rid of the zeros and I think it's stupid. Like even when we, we even when we do scoring, like you leave the quiz, you're like, yeah, we got first and 150 points. How many points did we get? You go to the stats room. Guess what? You got 15 points. They just lopped off the zero. Like it, it just is bananas to me that we even bother. And the only reason I wouldn't want to implement it is because you'd have to just like rejig like the old style scoreboards. We use those like we use those all the time because we just we have a lot of rooms and. Anyway, we I it would be annoying to have to redo those or like put paper over the zeros. <laughs> I don't know. I like the idea of paper. Um it sounds like Canada is going to take the lead in this very needed uh innovation of quizzing. Uh so that's yeah. awesome. That sounds totally awesome. <laughs> and not even slightly crazy. I think it is the best idea ever because I thought of it. Um yeah. so, I, yeah, I, yeah. I think you're going to lose half the quizzers who are not motivated to try for a perfect 9. <laughs> Well, so here's the thing. Do you think we will attract more quizzers if we add a second zero? No, I think it's a perfect sweet spot forged in well, the, the years of quizzing. Why do you want a 90? Like 90 to me is like the lowest possible acceptable percentage you can get on anything without crying. Because it's not a percentage. So, it's just I know, a, but it feels like it's close to a percentage. I guess it could be, but... I don't know. I, I, I think, I, I don't know. In basketball, you know, it's a two point shot or sometimes it's a three point shot. You know, it's like, it's not 20 or 30 points. Um, it's kind of silly to add the zeros on there, but anyway. All right. So yeah, I think well, it's actually, actually, that would be a cool exercise for anyone to try to think of sports where they kind of arbitrarily go by tens and not by ones. Cause everything I can think of right now is just by ones. Yeah. So like where would be, well, certain sports, have more than one, like, you know, in basketball or in football where, you know, the, the, it's sort of the denominator. It's like in, in football, it's like, uh, six plus one, three for a field goal, that kind of thing, two for a safety and so forth. Right. But there's no, they don't add a zero, you know, kind of stuff. So, I mean, is, I don't, I can't think of a single sport that sort of arbitrarily adds a zero. I mean, the most bonkers one is probably tennis, but they've been screwed with their scoring forever. So yeah, and tennis oh, yeah. isn't ten, tennis isn't a real sport anyway. So then we can ignore <laughs> that one. Like bowling makes sense because it 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 is ten pins, right? Right. Um, yeah. Huh. And I can anyway. I can knock down seven pins and get a seven, right? So uh, it totally makes sense. All right. Well, I believe it comes back to me with uh, it is my job to get us back into crazy land. So here we go. Uh, Getting back into crazy land, what about starting A and B questions at question number one? Um, I think the the downside is that it um, there's no there's no downside to getting an error early in the quiz. Yeah, because I think I've fully come to the belief that the biggest penalty for getting an error is not any negative points you get, but it's having to sit out the mm-hmm. next question. And so if yep. the questions don't increment on any error, 
I think you're going to get generally faster jumping. Although, as I mean, teams will probably quickly realize that because there's just going to be more questions in the quiz if we're airing more, that it's easier to air out. <laughs> um, and we'll modulate jump speeds accordingly, which mm. I mean, will happen whatever structure you put in place. But I think it does remove a lot of the error from... Um, a lot of the penalty from making an error. And I kind of like that, especially at the beginning of a quiz, because if one team just wants to jump really fast on question one, they kind of speed up the entire quiz for everybody. Um, and it, having things like, well, you have to set out question two if you do that, I think help to keep it reasonable. Yeah, and you, um, like, it, it not only just you, like, the negative 10 is not um, as much of a, non-incentive as the loss of potentially being able to get 20 or 30 points. But also, I mean, if you're looking for a specific question type, especially now with the new distribution, like if you're looking for a multiple answer question and your teammate jumps on five and six was a multiple answer and they got an error and you have to sit it out, like that's that, there's a lot of incentive to not get errors early in the quiz because you'll lose your uh, your distribution potential. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. That's true. Now, I think because I guess it's not the case that A's and B's currently have to be the exact same type as the whatever they started on. But right. I did find it interesting that we have these question type minimums and maximums, um, which are supposed to be fulfilled on, like, what, questions 1 to 20 for the minimums, but mm-hmm. then the maximums can't be exceeded once you include the A's and B's. So it's, like, very specifically designed to make sure that pretty much everyone gets to jump on every question type. But then if teams err, I guess that's part of their penalty. It's like... You, a team could theoretically never get to jump on a quote question in a quiz, but it would be their own fault and partially just bad luck. Yeah. Yeah, could be. What do you? So what do you think about, I don't know if this is the same or different, Griffin, but um, making all bonus questions 20 points, even after question 16. I, I'm of two minds. Like, at the district level, I kind of like the idea because I like encouraging the younger quizzers. Like, like I almost want to be like... Maybe not every bonus question, but like if you're a rookie, your bonuses are worth 20. I know that seems like a horrible rule and I I would never actually want to implement it, but I want, so here's the motivation that's going on inside of me. I I am very motivated to encourage younger, quote unquote, in their career quizzers has nothing to do with age, but just the number of years that they've been uh, quizzing. I want to encourage those folks to be able to jump and get more questions. So I want to incentivize them to be able to do more. And as we were talking about before, you know, bonuses are a great opportunity to uh, have the, the quizzers who don't normally get a question to be able to jump and get a question and so forth. And so in that regard, I kind of like the the 20 versus the 10 sort of aspect of it. But as you have frequently reminded me, Scott, quizzing is not just about memorization, although it is heavily about memorization. Obviously, there is a physical skill component to it. There is a strategy component to it. And that is a non-trivial component to it when you're talking about at the upper levels, you know, even at the district level, uh, when you get into the final ends of the brackets or into, into championships and certainly at great West and very certainly at internationals, there's, um, you know, like, like in a way there is a reward for getting the jump. And so in a sense you could say, well, 10 points of the 20, or if you prefer, and I do, and everybody else should as well, one of the two points that you get for a question (laughs) is in fact based on the jump and the other is based on the memorization, then that's where I kind of get a little bit more, "Mm, I'm not so sure. Yep, that makes sense. Do we have time for another one? 
Uh, let's do one really quick and then, uh, we'll do a, a, a lightning round of crazy and then we'll move on to traditions. So this is focused on internationals. Now, for the most part, every quizzer is jumping on every question, or at least for interrogatives, they're jumping on every question, even though at the speed that everyone's jumping, some quizzers might get 60% right and some quizzers might get 10% right. And that feels a little bit weird to me where it's kind of jump and hope I have decent luck. Um, and so I would love to see the introduction of more difficult question types that are specified in advance, like quote these three or finish these three or a situation question with four questions on them. Um, and that would reduce the number of quizzers who even want to or choose to jump on a specific question. So it's moving the scale a little bit towards getting lucky on a jump um, to um, a quoting B, if you will, which would be the perfect test of uh, material knowledge and would be completely boring. And so I think this is like a small step towards that to um, give a little bit of a greater reward to the kids that really know the material well and can, can quote three verses in 30 seconds um, while still keeping a fun competition where there is variability among questions, how fast they're key and all that jazz. Okay. Well, Scott yeah. has demonstrated how not to do a lightning round. So Heather, why don't you uh, show us how it's done? Huh. Okay. So I was going to say I quizzed as a quizzer. I only ever really liked interrogative questions, but I always balk at the idea that I, uh, because I do interrogative, that means I don't know the material very well and that I can't quote large portions of it. So I dislike that principle. So to the end that you're talking about with introducing more difficult questions, I would like to see questions that can start the same as an interrogative question, which is the question type that I like, but require you to quote a good portion of the scripture. So just the way that the question is written or how long the question is means you got to go for a long time. And so then you get the material challenge, but you also get the types of like weird phrases at the beginning that I personally really like. Okay, cool. Very good. Uh, and for my lightning round, I think this is a terrible idea, but I'm, but I'm going to suggest it anyway, under the caveat that it is truly insane and crazy. And that is just as an error causes the entire team to sit, a correct answer results in that one chair sitting for the next question. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. various different things related to that. All right. So moving <laughs> on traditions. So Scott, why don't you kick us off again? What is a tradition that you see us in quizzing doing that is really just nothing more than a tradition? Well, it's hard for me to call it nothing more than a tradition, but I think the whole notion of jumping and, but specifically the technology is we're, we're only holding on to poor technology and logistics because of the tradition I very much love the uniqueness of quizzing jumping, but I think everything about quiz seats is either expensive, hard to transport, um, hard to acquire, or all three. What would you do as an alternative, like a quiz button or something? I mean, that's probably, like, there is a quizzing denomination that does push button. Um, Jeopardy does push button. Something of that would be the easiest. It would be dirt cheap, um, amazingly easy to transport, um, and require... You could get by with smaller quiz rooms, too. There's a, a million logistical advantages. I think the uniqueness is something super cool, and I don't want to lose that. But I've also had to buy benches and transport benches and fix pads and find chairs for pads. And all of those are awful. Mm. Yeah, interesting. All right. Well, Heather, what's a tradition from your perspective? So one thing that I I don't even remember when this happened or, or it happened without me. I mustn't have attended internationals the year that this happened that 
suddenly the co-captain of a team is basically the captain of the team in that they both of them can challenge and both of them can um, call a timeout and and various things that they both are. So then I was like, I don't like that because I like that you have to pick somebody who is just going to have to carry the responsibility for the team. And I've been on a team where I felt like I should have been the captain because I was going to be better at challenging, but the other person was. And, and we had moments where I was like, we should have challenged that, but we didn't. And I, I on on some level, I like it as a, a strategic thing. But then I thought it's actually kind of stupid that that if a, if there is a quizzer who has an idea and knows what how to argue for it, why is it that we even care who the captain or the co-captain is at all? So, like, in our district, like, honestly, we get so few challenges because everybody's a really polite Canadian um, that it, it's hardly relevant, and half the time you don't even know or you just assume you know who the captain is of the team, but we, we I have no idea. So I kind of am like, I don't even really understand why we have captains and co-captains. That is interesting. I, I mean... Apart from two different quizzers from the same team jumping to challenge, I don't know that it's terribly necessary to ever have a captain. Just let anybody challenge, right? I mean, Scott, what do you think? I agree. And that's why I haven't I haven't outright s- said this um, within PNW, but we definitely ask for who the captain is, but I've never referenced it, and it's not on any document that a quizmaster even has at the quiz meets. And that's because... Right. All the challenges come from one person anyway. If someone else wanted to challenge, I'm not going to prohibit them. It's not like something's both systemic and bad. Um, and so I don't really care. I mean, most of the time, I mean, with, te- with technology, question, fewer and fewer questions are straight up invalid. And so now it's kind of on the gray area of rulings, mostly. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm fine with anyone wanting to challenge on that. Now, for internationals... I haven't thought about it some of, in some of the ways that you presented, but I do like how um, there's almost there's almost kind of a leadership aspect to it. And now that I'm remembering okay. the years that I coached internationals, we try I tried to set the captain pretty early on, and it was not just a cut and dry who do I think is going to be best at challenging. It was right. kind of like who do I want to award the title of captain for these two and a half months of preparation. So it's kind of like. Like, you know, football teams, the captains get a badge on their jersey, and it's it's more like you're a leader of the team or of this unit than you are the best at X or Y. Sure. So, but then why can't that just be a coaching thing rather than a rulebook thing? There's no reason it can't. Yeah. I mean, the public acknowledgement is kind of nice. We can have a bunch of quizzers walking around with C's on them. <laughs> badges. We'll give out badges. Oh, that would make quizzing so much cooler. <laughs> it totally would. Badges make everything cooler. <laughs> All right. So my tradition, uh, doing away with synchronized quiz rooms uh, and pre-generated quizzes. Um, and part of that and related to that might be doing away with questions from a single source. So uh, the idea being that like, instead of having questions for a meet generated, usually by just one person, uh, having them generated by several people and vetted by several people together. Uh, and I understand there are logistical uh, hurdles to that, uh, which can all be solved with some software uh, that is free and awesome and stuff. But that part aside, the synchronized quiz rooms thing, I have never, I've never been a fan of synchronized quiz rooms because even when everything works the way it's supposed to, there's so much potential to like accidentally cheat, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's not like I, you know, I want to think the best of every quizzer and I want to think the best of every coach and, 
I, I so I'm just assuming that everybody is is approaching quizzing from the perspective of good sportsmanship and so forth, and wouldn't intentionally cheat. But there are so many opportunities to sort of inadvertently, accidentally let something slip. You know, like if you're if you're an observer, you're a coach in for one of your church's teams in one room, and then you go to a different room, and it's the same quiz. And because you're, you know, the room you left was ahead and they're on question 16. And now it's like, well, I, I have to not talk to the coach and I have to sort of segregate myself off into a corner. I know what the next four questions are going to be. I can't really even cheer because like, you know, question 17, I know is a finish the verse. And so I don't want to say, oh, hey, Barbara, you're, you know, go on 17 because like, I know Barbara is a, you know, a keeper specialist. No, no, no. Like there's, there's, it's just this weird dynamic that's there. That's there. And I don't know that it ever really buys us anything either like what's the value of having synchronized quiz rooms you have to have fewer questions that are good yeah because i think um especially before technology could help us with stuff there was a range of quiz questions in a given set from like good to bad and even valid to invalid and so the theory is if the questions that we're giving to individuals are decreased by a factor of n quiz rooms um it'll be a more fair competition because it just it's reducing the the variability because it was acknowledging the large variability within a question set. Whereas now, at least with PNW's question set, because we edit it and it's in CBQZ and whatnot, I think the quality is high enough that I'm not really concerned with any random set being generated for a given quiz being wildly bad or unfair. Um, but I think um, there probably have been question sets within the past um, that were that way. And so you're like, well, if I just ask a tighter set of questions to the competitors at a meet, um, it gets me closer to the idea of asking each team the exact same questions um, and seeing how they do on it. Mm. Yeah, I, so in, in CMD, we have a very large district, and we don't do synchronized quiz rooms because it doesn't make sense for us, given that we have several different levels of competition, and so different divisions have different um requirements that like if you're in the rookie division you have to have key verses for your all your quotes and finishes and that's not the case for the a division and all of that stuff so we haven't done that because quiz rooms are often jumping back and forth from one division to another um but at internationals where actually sorry in our district that would be the place where i would expect people to cheat the least because there are fewer people, the fewer, a smaller percentage of, of individuals that are trying really hard to be awesome quizzers, and lots of them are just there to have a good time. But at internationals and Great West, where the stakes are higher, that is where we always encounter the synchronized quiz rooms, and that's where you get the potential for inadvertent cheating. And I'm like you, Griffin. I'm like, I don't think anybody is going in to intentionally cheat. I don't think anybody's ever done that. And I like to believe that nobody ever will. But you're right in that you can't help yourself from just knowing. I know what this question's going to be. I, I don't even go into a quiz room if they're asking a quiz I've already heard because I just know I've got, I don't have a poker face and I'm not going to be able to, to – it'll feel unfair even if I don't do anything. So I am with you that I don't think that they – that it makes very much sense. And with the introduction of lots of high-quality software, I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. But an extra thing, Griffin, would be ditching any notion of question difficulty altogether. I, it it took a lot of convincing to convince me that that shouldn't be a component when generating a question set, but I, I arrived there. Um, but I, I like pretty simplistic and very random 
um, criteria generating each quiz on the fly right as it happens. Yes. Heather, I don't think we've ever told Heather about the uh, first ecumenical council of Port Orchard. <laughs> Where Griffin, Jeremy, and I gathered in Griffin's office above his garage and talked about question difficulty. For uh, hours. Impli- implications for generating question sets for like at least three hours. We were drawing on the whiteboard. It, I it love was, it. We were drawing normal distributions. It was hours, hours. It was ridiculous because I was the staunchest person where I did not want to present one team with this um, randomly easy quiz. And then in the very next quiz, a different team gets this randomly hard quiz. But um, I was convinced on how there are definitely pros and cons to doing it that way and not doing it that way. But the pros outweighed the cons in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. As a quizzer. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. As a quizzer, I never, it never occurred to me to blame the quiz. If I was going to blame anything, I was going to blame the draw for putting us against a harder team. Interesting. It never I mean, occurred I, to me to ever blame the questions. I mean, I've been in internationals quizzes where we've got our quizzers that know a specific type, and they jump at the speed that we've calculated as a good speed, and it's just they have to guess between three, and they make a good guess, and it's not that. And there are some quizzes where it's like they just guessed wrong eight times, and then there's another quiz where um, on a half syllable or one syllable – of the specialty, it was completely knowable, you know? And I was like, right. I don't like, I don't like how variable this is. <laughs> um, mm. And it was probably my dislike of that variability. Like no one was making it that way. It was just variable um, that led me to want to exert some amount of control over it when I could generate questions for the district and not in my mind, put quizzers through the same sort of variability. But mm. um, I've, I've since been convinced <laughs> that um, that level of control doesn't need to be exerted by whoever's generating. Well, and, right. and moreover, I think it was that the level of control is an illusion in a sense, like, like we can control what we think is difficulty, but ultimately at the end of the day, if we are, if we don't control versus we are controlling, like even if you control for difficulty, there is still going to be variability and the variability is going to be almost the same if you don't control for variability. Right. Sure. Just, yeah, because mm-hmm. there's variability from opponents, quiz master, um, jump speeds by everybody, when the question, specific question types arise in a quiz, all those things, which yeah. I was yeah. never controlling. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we are a little bit behind on time, but that's okay because we've been talking about awesome things. Let's try moving to district-specific stuff, which is going to be very difficult for all three of us because it's kind of like, well... What are we doing in our districts that are unique? It's kind of hard to describe what that might be. But I don't know, Scott, do you have anything that we do in P&W specifically that you want to share? Um, we do 20-minute time slots for quizzes, and I don't know of another district that does anything but 30-minute time slots. Um, CMD does 25 minutes. Oh, nice. So that's but one thing. That's, yeah, we always get really behind, though. Like, it's not quizzing if you're not behind schedule. It's pretty much how I feel about it in district. <laughs> Maybe I just approach it as a challenge. Like, we will be on schedule. Oh, really? yeah, I would love to do that. But when you're dealing with, like, 8, 9, 10, 11 quiz masters, it's just, like, and different divisions and kids who don't know stuff. And there's, like, 300 people in a church, and it's, like, barely barely maintaining fire code. And just can't do it. Yeah, we don't have those problems. Um, <laughs> we have four rooms and uh, we're we're at 20 minutes and we actually we sometimes get behind but we're usually not too badly behind but i think you know if we went from four rooms to like eight rooms that would change non trivially i would think 
Yeah, we probably couldn't pull off 20-minute time slots if we went above five quiz rooms or so. But yeah. Maybe, maybe this is, like, a good... This should be selection criteria for, like, um, quizzing leadership or whatever. It's like, oh, if you come from CMB, you just get an extra bump because of the crazy logistics that you have to deal with. You're probably <laughs> going to be better at running things in general. <laughs> I do find that, like, coordinating officials for this summer has been, like, a total breeze because I'm like, well, I only have to find, like, 12. It's amazing. <laughs> Not eighty mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, right. I I don't know what else. Uh, do you do like what do you Scott? You talked about having like you'd like two portions of the competition, one that's team and one that's individual. Not that you're actually implementing that, but it would be nice. Um, so what do you do? Like, do you have a, a an individual competition at any point to determine your international teams? We do not. So it's just. Team competition, they all get six prelims, and then they get put into brackets, and the brackets are weighted um, to try to make everything as even because there are differing levels of competition in each of those brackets. And then we sure. have our six quiz meets throughout the year that make up their average. So there's nothing – There's nothing. I mean, this is one thing that's actually on my list that I think PNW might do differently is forever our international selection has only been on average for the entire year. Mm. Um, we have introduced a few other things, like you should quote the whole material at a given accuracy. But I know for at least Great West and maybe for internationals as well, CMB has an application and might give preference to upperclassmen or people that are almost done with their quizzing career. And PNW hasn't done anything like like that. Um, sure. But I definitely would love to incorporate some more individual type quizzing um, in our international selection because basically you just – Every year, it seems like, just look at the five quizzers that scored the best at Great West, and those are the quiz five that will score the best internationals. And so, right. you know, it's like, oh, you're put in this specific type of competition where everyone is at an elite level, and you have to just figure it out and score the best you can, and it's way different from district quizzing, and the quizzers that do well there, I mean, that's who you want on your internationals team. And so I would love more, like, abilities to do that kind of format, even once or twice. Like, I would love to have a team comp, you know, our team meets, but then maybe twice a year have a top 24 quizzers quiz off or something where I, I, yeah. I think, I think you have to put them in teams. We did have years when I was not involved with the program where we had top 12 quizzes and apparently it was each quizzer for themselves and it just became one syllable jumping and not very useful. So I think even yeah. if you're doing individual quizzes where you're wanting to pit the top against each other, um, you have to keep a team component to keep the jump speed mm. sane and really let the quizzers that do know stuff to shine. Um, mm. And I think you can totally do that by scrambling kids into three teams, giving them a small bump for how their team does um, to their individual score, but definitely counting how they do individually. And yeah. to me, that would that would set quizzers up a lot better for Great West and internationals. It would be less of a shock when they're like, oh my goodness, it's two syllables and everyone knows stuff if they, if they should know <laughs> it, you know, for the yeah. most part. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, I don't, well, okay. So I'm with you up until the last point. Cause the thing is like anybody who's going to go to internationals from, from PNW has gone to great West and great West has some great competition, right? I mean, we're, we're quizzing against two districts who are phenomenal districts. Um, and I mean that, so, I mean, it shouldn't be a, a huge shock going to internationals in that regard, but in it from a slightly different point of view, um, just to poke the, the dragon's tail a little bit on this one, uh, I kind of like the idea of some of these extra sort of quizzing, scrambly sort of things during the course of the year, but do they not sort of resemble uh, XYZs? 
No, because that's still team based. I want I want I want quizzes with the top twelve individuals in the district in them. Yeah. So in CMD, we have that competition and we call it head to head and we don't put them in teams, but we do score them on a couple different factors. So it's not just straight volume. Um, So we do have a volume component. We're also looking for um, what percentage of um, unique jumps or key jumps do you then convert into a correct answer? That's awesome. So we would call we would call a key jump for a reference question. If you jump on thirty and you you correctly guess that it's thirty six, at that point we're like, okay, well now we expect you to convert this to a right answer. If you guess wrong, we wouldn't count that as a as a key jump that you could have gotten right. So so we we have you have to be pretty strategic on who's there and scoring it. And we usually to usually it requires a panel because you need people who are looking things up to actually know where the jump was was key and multiple answers are especially hard and we usually have to snag somebody's MA list to try to figure that one out. Um, and then we also have um, in terms of volume, we don't we don't ever we, we score things as one and two and zero and negative one. Um, if your answer was correct, you're gonna get at least one point, but you can get two by handling it well. So like actually coming up to the table, um, quoting instead of randomly stabbing at things. Um, you know, general good microphone etiquette, I guess. Um, you could get a one if it was like a horrendous jump and you got a lucky guess, or if you, you know, were mumbly or it was hard to hear you or, or you just randomly guessed at stuff until you got it right and somehow you were in context. And then you can get a z- most most wrong answers are zero. Um, but if you like it was a really heinous jump and it was like you should have been sitting, you get a negative one for that. And we do have air outs, so at a certain point, I think you, we ask 40 question quizzes, and I think it's four to air out. Um, I always have to refresh my memory every year. But we um, then we also award for the top in certain categories. So we'll have to do some reweighting this year with the new distribution because we didn't use it last year. Um, but obviously, like a quote um, and an interrogatives, those kinds of questions, we would. If you're the dominant quizzer in that category, we're gonna we're gonna give you extra extra points for that. And we have formulas and things for it. Um, but essentially, we I think we've done a fairly good job of deterring um, lots and lots of errors because you can err out. And if you're aired out in a forty question quiz, um, and in order to get any of these points, you have to take at least twenty percent of the questions on the day. You actually have to jump on at least. I think it works out to 20 questions out of 400. So this sounds in, awesome. It is great. You should see it, Scott. You should see all of our rules and our spreadsheets. It's my favorite time of year. It's head to head. I would absolutely you, fly in for this. Can you, uh, you uh, want to, you totally can. <laughs> they would let you buy a <laughs> ticket. Um, oh gosh, Heather, can you popcorn. email us like the rules for this and the spreadsheets for this? This is something. I, yeah. Like, I might want to do this in PNW next year. Yeah. It's oh. pretty fun. Yeah. Cause so it we absolutely- wait. You've totally Sorry. gotten at all. Of, you've totally gotten at all of the reasons I don't like twelve individuals jumping against each other. But if you if yeah. you put in the, the criteria like this, then you you get them to all be smart and have the right incentives. Yeah, and we, I mean, we really like we treat it like a closed event. Like you're not allowed to bring your mom or your sister or your cousin or friend. Like Ooh. you're here. It's you. You don't have your coach there. And as the panelists, sometimes we're the coach of of a quizzer that's there, and we don't we don't get to talk to them. Um, to like coach them into anything. Although sometimes we will give general advice to the whole group and be like, Hey, listen, so as a group, this is a bit of a problem um, because we're seeing, you know, the jumping's too fast. You're not getting 
um, at least 60% of this quiz right, so we need to adjust that a little bit. So they, they're getting general coaching, but they're not allowed to be individually coached on that day. So part of it is to sort of uh, simulate the kind of, like when you're at internationals and the, the pressure's on and you've got six quizzes in a day and you're a little tired and whatever, then we can kind of see that or see who quizzes better in the morning and who quizzes better in the evening. Like it, it's it's a fascinating kind of day. My favorite, my favorite. And this year I have a bridal shower for myself the day of head to head. So I guess I don't get to go. This is a oh real disappointment. Well, you know, how priorities. Qu- how many quizzes yeah. go? Um, we usually invite, well, 12, 12, at least 12. Sometimes we'll invite 15 um, because we have, um, sometimes we use the Acme boxes, which can accommodate four benches or, um, or we'll use, we have a box splitter that lets us add another three quizzers with the fifth light. Sure. Um, but it, it's really wonky. You have to write all their names on it because the, the lights get all out of whack. <laughs> but um, it, sometimes we'll invite an extra quizzer. And so we have to have a quizzer sit out every quiz and we have to, we have to kind of be strategic about who we ask to sit out um, and then what, what impact it has, right? So if you pull out your top reference quizzer, does, do the reference questions immediately like slow, slow down or do they keep up and who's the second best and, and things like that. So we definitely play around with it a little bit. And then we count it for, I think right now it's about 25% of their, their overall average, but we're, we're looking at potentially increasing it because just of some changes we've made to the structure of our district um, that we think it's a more valuable, it's a more valuable uh, data collection method than district meets are right now. Oh, it it sounds amazing. And I think the reason I put such emphasis on like those tough individual um, competitions is I, I was totally into quizzing myself, but for two years, I kind of just memorized stuff. And then I went to Great West and I was like, oh, like people can do this. And it was kind of game on from that point on. And I just wish mm-hmm. I had a picture of that sort of competition a lot earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Please send that stuff over to us because... That sounds like something we want to uh, try to experiment with in P and W. Just in case anybody, it's just in case any of these people are listening. I didn't make this this system up, and I got to give credit to Aaron Haight and Steve Vincent because they went on a ski trip one year and hashed all of this this scoring stuff out, and um, then they came back really windburnt and sunburnt, but they had a good idea. Very cool. Where do you know where they went skiing? I don't know. I assume to mountains. Okay, so so it'll be the Ecumenical Council to Mountains uh, yeah, there versus was, the uh, yeah the one to Port Orchard. There was one year at Great West, I think it was 2012, that Aaron showed up with just the most ridiculous ski. That was the ever. year. That was the oh, year, Scott. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was it was ridiculous. He was yeah. bright red he was and peeling. so pale. It was yeah. yeah. <laughs> he peeled awesome. all over Laura. <laughs> it was all in her hair. It was really gross. Oh, that's that's sad. Well, then a couple of things from uh, our district that we do that we may take for granted, but it would be kind of interesting to see if CMD does something similar. So we have a published Keyverse list. Uh, You know, these are the questions that will be allowed to be uh, quotes and finish the verses and so forth. Anything that is on the list may be asked as that. It can also be asked as like an interrogative or CVR or whatever. Um, but uh, only stuff from the KVL can actually be asked as a keyverse question. Uh, but then we take it a step further and we mark up finish thises and quote this onlys and so forth to say like, in other words, you can only ask a finish this 
on a question that is in the KVL that is marked as a finish that. Uh, and ditto for quote questions. Uh, so like something, if it's marked as a quote question, it can only be asked as a quote question. It cannot be asked as a finish the verse question. And the reason we do that is usually around the, uh, around the lines of like there might be a, a key verse, uh, a, 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 um, a reference, a, a, a verse that is, uh, meets the rule book standards for a key verse question. But it starts with the same five words as something else, so it can't start as a finish the verse. So we intentionally mark it on the KVL as a quote only to get around that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, and then the second thing that we do is, uh, well, actually, well, wait, before I do the second thing, um, is that different than what you guys do? And if so, by what? Yeah, so, I mean, we um, we have a like the 150 key verses that... Um, I think we we just follow whatever um, international decides are the uh, the 150 key verses, um, and in the rookie division, quotes and finishes can only come from those. Although we don't do any extra, like there's no extra like marking of like this won't be asked as a finish and it would only be a quote, things like that. We definitely don't do that. Um, in the B division, we would typically club 300 um, for quotes and finishes, although we try to, we try to stick with club 150 because they often don't, they just don't have the same material grasp. Um, but in the A division, yeah, all bets are off. Any question can come from any verse, any quote. And we actually also don't let, I don't know if it's still in the rule book, but if it is, we don't let them like argue that it's not a valid, not a spiritually significant verse or anything like that. We're like, nope, it's all, it's all God breathed. So you're going to learn it and you're going to quote it if we tell you to. So yeah, we definitely don't do that. Interesting. But it, it does we, give me some some context for why you often refer to keyverse specialists, and I'm like, well, I don't know how that helps you, but now I understand how that helps you. So thank right, you. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So for from our from our district, we have a uh, not a lot, but we have a handful of keyverse specialists, and they can they can specialize because we tell them up front, mm-hmm. like, well, here here are all of the quotes and finish the verses and everything that that you can do. Uh, and some of them, there's a handful, it's not too many, but a couple of folks will just jump and just fly on some, you know, especially like the quote, these two verses and so forth. They do, sure. they do quite well. The, um, well, well, and we also have it because there's a ton of kids that they don't know all of the key verses on the list, but everything that they do know is a key verse. And so we right. want to highlight the verses that we consider to be most spiritually significant. For um, sure. But, yeah. I'm with you on this. I like the idea. But the language is still in the rule book. And it's still the rule book for internationals. So you have yeah. kids who, who think that that is the target and then are being presented with a totally different target. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, the, the other thing that we do, uh, and I, I think you guys do this too, but I'm not sure. We have a graduated scale of weights for district meets in terms of how that counts for your individual average. And Scott yeah. is the, you know, the stats master. So he could probably describe this a little bit better than I can. Actually, I know he can describe it. Uh, better than I can. So Scott, would you want to quickly summarize? It just builds up over the year because we have six meets and over the first three, you get to drop your worst one and then the other two count for a small amount and then meet four counts even more, meet five counts even more and then meet our sixth meet, which has a limited number of teams um, is more than a, just a little bit more than a third. So mm-hmm. as the year goes on, not only are half the questions in a quiz meet coming from the new material, but if you do well, your score counts a ton. So it's rewarding the kids that keep up with the material because it gets harder. Or you know, when you're especially in John, sure. you're adding more material, and we want to reward that. Yeah. The side effect is, you know, especially with that last meet, the district meet, the we call it the the cha- district championship meet, being counting for so much. 
and not every team qualifying, there is a situ- there are situations where uh, potentially you could be you know near the area of being able to qualify for internationals in the top five purely based on your individual average, but because you uh, may not have a team that's up enough to be able to qualify for district championships, it is possible to actually lose out of internationals because your team wasn't able to get wow. you to to a championship that doesn't I, I really know. i don't know happen. that we've ever been that close though yeah i, I mean, don't think it's ever happened in practice um i don't think it, it's really ever happened although i could be misremembering but in theory it, it is at least possible well it's possible and we also just decreased the number of teams from 18 to 15 that make district championships because it used to i mean it's been 18 forever but it was that way when we had over 40 teams in the district and so like fewer than half of them made champs we're now when we have closer to 25 or 24 teams, it's like a majority of teams are making champs. Um, and so it's it's going to be pretty rare now for a kid to be anywhere close to the top five and not be on a top 15 team. But we definitely had a couple years where a kid was on a really weak, you know, no one else from his church was really contributing. Um, and they almost never made top nine, but this quizzer made internationals in like third. But they were definitely like, they're always 10th or 11th um, close. Um, so I think it'd be pretty hard to get a top five quizzer not able to get a team in the top 15 because sure. it's pretty rare for yeah. a top 15 team to not be averaging 100 points a quiz. Right. Yeah, we we don't um, we we do have meets that are worth more. Like the first district meet is I don't ever remember the actual numbers, but the first district meet's not worth a whole ton, and then we have a second district meet that's worth I think a quarter of their um, their overall average, and then and then district finals. Um, and everybody goes to district finals and we run three divisions there and it's like a whole big fun time where we stay in dorms and have a fireworks show and it's like a whole, whole like quizzing weekend retreat. Um, so I'm more wowing at the, at the, at the concept of qualifying more than, more than anything. So am I then to understand that your teams, the team configuration stay the same throughout the year? Like, like you, you can't switch your, your three and four, like you can't wiggle your teams around from your church? Pretty much. So they can for the first two meets, but whatever they're registered for at the third meet, it has to stay that way for three, four, five, and then district championships. And, Interesting. And team qualifications for district championships do not start counting until meet three. Because we had a year where one church moved their best quizzer throughout each of their like five teams and got oh, all fuck. five teams into district championships on the <laughs> one really good meet from each of them. Um, and right. we were like, well, that's not really what we want to have happen. And so we lock them as of the third meet. And so all the teams that make champs make it in the configurations that earned it. Interesting. Yeah, that's really fascinating. We um, we definitely don't have that same model. Um, we also don't really have a our system for for determining the a like the the final average. Um, is not quite the same as as what they do at internationals. And what I think I heard you say that you like decrease the percentage if you drop to the consolation bracket sure. then you your 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 uh, quizzes aren't worth as much we um i think we do it's similar enough that it that it works but basically if you drop to con only your prelims and your xyz counts and then we'll take your worst worst of those four quizzes because we only do three prelims worst of those four quizzes and add it in again as the fifth quiz and then and then you have an average of those five so nothing that you do in constellation means anything um, but in the A side, you can your your average counts from your first prelim to the quiz right before the final. So you you have time to pull up your average, or you're kind of forced to maintain it. But um, 
yeah, there's a there's a big drawback to falling to con sometimes, or or it's a really great experience for you. Interesting. And I have one question, which is because you have different divisions, how does it work qualifying for internationals? If like, do you have to spend a certain number of meets or quizzes in the A division or? Something like that. Yeah. So, so in years before this year, you if you were in the B division, that you didn't have an A average at all, so you were never going to make internationals um, because you have to start in the A division in order to have an A side average. Um, okay. And if you fall the consolation, then your average, your A side average is figured out by by how I just explained. Um, so you have to register yourself in the in the top division in order to be considered for internationals. This year, we have done a bit of a pilot project, and I am not convinced of its success where we combined our A and B divisions um, and then resort and just do 12, 12, and 12, and then sometimes it's like 13 in the bottom division. Um, Interesting. In order to, yeah, in order to, to split them up. And then theoretically, if you fell so far down that you were like the 25th or 26th place team and you're in the B division, well, you technically can still get yourself an A average, but it's probably not very good because you didn't even make the top 24 teams. But um, I don't. I, yeah, it's going to play out kind of differently this year about how exactly that's going to look. But it's not. It's not necessarily going to be relevant for any of our quizzers because we don't. We nobody in the top. Nobody that would make the top ten is falling to B. Just doesn't really happen. Sure. Did you ever have a case where there was a quizzer who started in B and did pretty good and then really excelled the rest of the year and would have loved to like had some chance to move to A. Yeah, so I mean, we we allow quizzers like it, teams can churches can reconfigure their teams as many times as they want throughout the year, um, and it doesn't matter what team you're on. Um, so we have had quizzers who have done the first district meet in B or in C, and then been like, oh, I kind of want to quiz in A, and then they do the the last few meets in A, and then they they've come close to making internationals or they have made internationals. Um, it's tough if you don't get invited to head to head. It's pretty hard to make internationals because it's such a big portion. Um, but for sure, I mean, if you did second districts and finals in the A division and you rocked them, you probably would make the team. Um, and we have had that happen. And this year, for example, um, the, we have a particular quizzer who would be known to both of you because he was at Great West, um, who was sick for the first district meet. So he didn't make it and and just went to the second district and didn't do the it's not his best work. So it'll be interesting to see how that impacts him. But. Um, oh, gotcha. So yeah, they don't have sure. to spend all meets in the year in A to be eligible for internationals. No. So, so like, no. So they, how, they just have to have an A average. So I mean, again, the ever competitor in me, like if A is difficult, theoretically you would want to have fewer quizzes in A to get the best average. Um, but maybe I'm thinking about it. Yeah. So, but but then then you're you're putting all your eggs in one quiz meet basket then. Sure, sure, that's true. Like, you, you, you aren't going to make it to, like, you could do one quiz meet. You could do the first district meet outside of the A division. After that, I mean, if you were trying to make, you wouldn't, you just wouldn't make it. It just wouldn't happen. Gotcha. Because you, you, you just wouldn't have enough of an average. I mean, even if you did finals at 45% and you got a 90, you're still probably not going to make the team with that. Oh, gotcha. So it's not a requirement, but because each meet is weighted, you yeah. don't have you you take a zero for the yes. for whatever meet you weren't in a so right. okay that yeah. makes that makes sense because yeah I've I get long, you yeah I've long wanted to do divisions but I wasn't sure how to handle it with you know you have a church of five quizzers and three of them really want to be or like three quizzers two of them want to be in a and one of them wants to be in b how do you you yeah. know th- we do and I, we do have those and I'm our district registrar and I do have to find that balance with churches where I'm like, listen, you've got one quizzer that wants to do A and two that want to do B. Can you please just put them all in A and 
and get the B quizzers to memorize something or if it's, I mean, we, and we consult with coaches on this because, you know, you don't know everybody's story. Um, sometimes I'll just place them. I'll find an NA division, an A team that only has three quizzers on it. And I'll put them on, put the extra quizzer on that team for that meet. How interesting. Cause I always wondered, like, would you ever combine, you know, one quizzer from three different churches if they all wanted to be an A and they were the only ones from their uh, church, you know, but I, we did have about... that at the last quiz meet. <laughs> So you're you're both open to that, but you're also having conversations with the individual churches, and huh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, so we have a we have a church that has eight rookies and one quizzer who's been in quizzing for four years and just moved to that town that just happened to start quizzing. So she wants to quiz in A, which is fully understandable, and there's no reason to force all these rookies to quiz in A on her behalf. So we're putting her on on A teams that have room, but it is tricky because at that point, then I'm like, hmm. Am I putting this quizzer on a team that already has two strong A quizzers and is she just not going to have a chance? Or am I putting her on a team that otherwise would probably fall to the bottom of con and now they're going to make the A final because she's great? So it does yeah. feel a little it does feel a little string pulling and, and divisions definitely are not it's not easy. Like it's not a it's not a foolproof system for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I do like everyone having to quiz each other in prelims because even though some mm. inexperienced teams kind of just get just rolled over, I I. I like it where they have a picture of like what the top quizzers are doing. So it's not, they just quiz in this tiny little bubble. And even if they get questions and are motivated, um, then they just get steamrolled if they move up <laughs> like at all. And, but they kind of have a, a mix where their prelims, you're randomly against teams that are going to be really good and not so good. And then everyone gets sorted into their nine team bracket where you have right. your last third of quizzes against your competition level. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we I like that in principle, and I love it at internationals that you quiz against everybody at least once. It's great. My like the issue for us would just be like logistically, it would take so many prelims to to actually have everybody quiz everybody that we could never do in a weekend. And we don't also have that. I mean, because you only face twelve opponents in your six prelims, and we have over twenty teams. So you okay, know, it, yeah, it's to, it's random on who you get and. I also have stopped controlling that, <laughs> but uh, I did, I, I did hate it when, ran, when randomly the top three teams just are in a prelim and it just wrecks individuals for all of them, but mm-hmm. it's, it's random for everyone. So however it comes out. Yeah. yeah. Well guys, we are a bit over schedule, so we're going to probably have to close things off here, but uh, Heather, it was fantastically awesome to have you on as a guest. It was great to be able to talk through a lot of this stuff with you guys. And I just want to remind everybody that, uh, you know, we very much would like to hear questions and comments and thoughts from uh, listeners and so forth. I know we've got a couple of uh, questions in the queue that we haven't gotten to. Maybe we'll get to them next episode. Uh, but if you've got any sort of questions or thoughts or, or uh, anything that you disagree with any of us uh, on this uh, podcast, this particular episode, except for the killing of the zeros, because if you disagree with that, then you're just wrong. Uh, please email <laughs> us at I iq at cbqz.org we would love to hear from you and you can also follow us uh, on twitter uh, our, our our account is at inside quizzing and with that i will say thank you heather and thank you scott and i will bid you all adieu thanks everyone have a good night yeah thank you it was great 